This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Oh, that's right. You're listening to Raise the Roof, the three sorry the the three CR show, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on three CR eight fifty five AM. My name is Shane. I'm here with Ruben today. Uh, how you doing, Ruben? Good day, Shane. I'm very well, thanks. Uh, and you, your voice may be unfamiliar to some of our listeners. What what's who are you? What are you What are you doing here? Yeah, I'm uh, one of the workers at Hag. I I am the communications worker, which means I am the person sending out. Uh, social media updates, e-bulletins, newsletters, membership reminders, all these kinds of things. But I've, until now, I've been very remiss in, in not coming on the, the Raise oh, the Roof show. Surely you've been on before. I think you have. No, I don't know. Anyway. You might um, have heard me on some of the other shows at 3CR. That's true. Um, so just wanted to apologize. Uh, our last episode ended up being a repeat. Uh, Fiona, who's my, my regular co-host, is overseas at the moment. She's probably listening to this because she's a huge nerd. She would still listen from Mexico when she should be just uh, relaxing and enjoying herself. Go and have fun, Fiona. Fiona. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a bit of a COVID scare last time and didn't want to bring my germs into the studio. So that's why you, you got to repeat. But today we have an exciting new episode, new content. Uh, we spoke to... Louisa Bassini, who's the Acting Director of Legal Practice at Inner Melbourne Community Legal. Uh, I wanted to talk to her because we've been quite critical on this show of the uh, announcements the government made recently about demolishing uh, public housing towers in the city of Melbourne and, sorry, the Melbourne metro area. And uh, Inner Melbourne Community Legal has also been quite critical about that. So it was good to get Louisa in and hear her thoughts in a bit more detail. So we're going to go right into that interview now. Here is Louisa Bassini. Um, thanks for coming in today. Could you start by telling us what Inner Melbourne Community Legal is and what it does? Yeah, well, we're a community legal service, so we provide um, free legal advice, representation um, and advocacy for people who live, work or study in the city of Melbourne. So um, within our catchment, we have the, the Carlton Towers, the North Melbourne Towers and the Flemington Towers. Um, and because the eligibility criteria for our service takes into account um, people's income and their particular situation. Uh, We assist a lot of people who live um, in the public housing estate that that I just mentioned. So this show, Raise the Roof, is particularly interested about housing. Um, Could you tell us a bit more about what the work of Inner Melbourne Community Legal is um, in terms of housing and what are the biggest issues affecting renters in the inner city? Well, it varies depending on what's going on in the broader world. Like we saw a lot of private renters um, during COVID, for instance, when um, people who live in in public housing and who were on pensions were actually uh, a little bit better off at that time because they had um, an increased income compared with uh, a lot of people 
who are in the private market who are in trouble. But generally, where we assist people who live in public or community housing um, in our area to deal with things like evictions, um, repairs issues, um, transfers, requests for compensation and so forth. Um, with, the, with the government's recent announcement, though, on the redevelopment of the towers, uh, pretty much all of our work has turned over to dealing with that issue now, though. Right. So, I mean, that's really why we wanted to invite you on, because you've been quite critical of the, the housing statement, as of we. Um, so can you start just by telling us, well, actually, before we get to, to some of the problems with the housing statement, was there anything in there that you see as positive for renters or for, for housing generally? Uh, I mean, there are certain things that uh, are welcome, I guess. I um, am perhaps a little bit cynical in that I think that this is kind of window dressing for the more substantive um, policy changes that it holds. So, um, you know, the things like um, increased notice periods for evictions in some circumstances or uh, tightening on um, rental increases in very specific circumstances, you know, that's kind of, they're good things, but ultimately they don't, um, they don't impact really the dynamics that are putting people under pressure out there in the private rental market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the main things that would actually affect that dynamic and improve it would be a mass um, build of public housing. But um, unfortunately, the housing statement's done the opposite of that. So, so the um, the kind of little bits of um, the you know the bone that we're, we're throwing for um, you know restricting rent, rental increases or whatever are kind of um, meaningless when considered as a whole with the other things that are included in the housing statement. So, so what exactly does the housing statement say about what uh, the government's plans are for um, public housing high-rises across the city? It is very clear in that it wants to... Uh, it uses the word insultingly, I think, retire the public housing towers, which um, is a euphemism for demolish. Um, it wants to demolish all 44 of the public housing towers that exist um, in Melbourne uh I think that, you know, they're planning to be done by 2051. Um, and so the the detail of that in terms of the transfer of public land to private developers and the management of the uh, social housing to community housing providers is um, limited. That detail is not really there. But, uh, they, you know, they are very clear that they, they're demolishing um, the first tranche uh, of towers is two Carlton Towers, um, and one North Melbourne Tower and one Flemington Tower, I believe. Actually, there's one missing. Uh, Sutton Street, Racecourse Road and Alfred Street, two Flemington, one North Melbourne and two Carlton. And they're to be demolished by 2031 um, with the plan essentially being instituted immediately and, um, you know, so many of our clients are receiving brochures telling them that their homes are going to be destroyed and that they're going to need to move in the last couple of weeks. It's wild that, like, the day before this announcement, Albanese was out there with Daniel Andrews talking about how great it was that Andrews wasn't going to hand the land over to private developers. It just seems, in hindsight, incredible that they didn't tell him, like, no, no, like, lay off that, because that's actually exactly what we're about to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they've always obfuscated the issues, I think, by using social housing as um, a mechanism to say, well, look, you know, we're, we're creating this low-cost housing for people and 
that includes some public housing when, you know, the public housing that's to be built is um, negligible and community housing isn't the same as public housing. It's um, the transfer of, of this um, role of the government and ownership to uh, non-government organisations, even when the government retains ownership of um, social housing by transferring the management to community housing providers, it really erodes the rights that people have um, who live in public housing. And and I think overall, yeah, I mean, it's kind of disgraceful that they can uh, kind of hold it up as somehow a contribution to the overall stock of social housing when um, it won't result in that for, for some time. Yeah. Can you talk more specifically about like what's the difference or what are the problems with social housing as compared to public housing? Yeah, I mean, there's some really clear concrete things like, uh, for example, if you need disability modifications in a public housing um, home, the government will do that for you with, um, if it's supported by a letter from an occupational therapist and you don't need to pay. If you live in community housing, um, they won't pay for that, so you need to have an NDIS plan and any any disabilities that fall short of that means it means that you need to pay out of your own pocket. Um, that's a good example. The, the, the cost of living in community housing, um, it's 30% of your income and they often charge really um, baseless and steep service charges. So we've, we've seen up to $45 a week, <laughs> which for someone who's on a pension is a really huge amount of money. Um, to be paying in addition to the 30% of your income. Um, but I think kind of um, more significantly and um, unfortunately, you know, more difficult, it's kind of more difficult to convey the differences in um, the way that these organisations operate as compared with the government. You know, they're often small organisations that don't really have clear policies or they don't follow their own policies. They don't have the same accountability that government has and um, we generally find that the turnover of um, people in these homes is far, far higher than uh, public housing, the public housing renters. So that points to, you know, just the, the totally different experience of living in a community housing managed property. Eviction rates are higher, but also um, people um, exiting, just choosing to leave is far, far higher. But whereas public housing used to be um, you know, the kind of a home that you might raise your children in and live in for your whole life. Um, community housing is really seen, I think, by the providers and by the government as being um, a kind of stopgap for people who are facing a crisis, but then they're meant to kind of move on or, um, you know, if they're not a model renter and not um, going to behave in the way that the provider wants them to, you know, like they're, they're out of there kind of really quickly. So... It's that kind of security of Tenyan and the ways that the organisations operate that we see as being, you know, a really crucial difference. So, despite all these shortcomings of um, community housing, the government is claiming that they will be increasing the total stock of uh, social housing by 10% through this um, massive uh, project. Um, what do you think of that as a justification for the demolitions? Well, I mean, they're, they're selling off such huge amounts of really, really lucrative public land um, and all they're getting in return is a 10% uplift of not even public housing. Um, so you've got to ask the question of whether, like, that, that's worth it. You know, we, we don't know what goes on with these deals. We don't know uh, all of the 
all of the documents are commercial in confidence, which means that the public don't get to see what's going on with the, the sale to the private developers. But you can imagine that, um, you know, they're, they're worth so much money, these blocks of land, and a 10% uplift is really, really totally inadequate given the, you know, the extent of the housing crisis that we're facing now. I think with a lot of the previous builds, we've seen that they've um, increased the total number of dwellings by this um, mega 10%. Uh, mm. But we've also seen that often they don't replace the same number of, of bedrooms in, in these dwellings. And so, right. yeah. <coughs> so yeah. do, do you think that would be a specifically uh, a, a big problem in the, in the um, high-rise towers where we know that there's a, quite a lot of people living in, in each dwelling? Yeah. Yeah, we know that it is because we're already sitting in on uh, meetings that are happening with Homes Victoria, um, relocation meetings, and they're telling people that they won't be able to move to um, the two new um, developments that are coming up for completion soon, the one at Abbotsford Street in North Melbourne and the one at Victoria Street in Flemington. Uh, you know, they have a limited number of three-bedroom homes there. And they're telling bigger families that it's very unlikely that they'll be able to be placed in either of those estates. And they certainly won't be if they're going to insist on being housed in a public housing home. So, you know, I mean, to, to sit in a meeting where they even suggest to a family, have you thought about splitting up your household into, into two? Um, you know, it's really just um, stomach churning to think that um, this is what this is what the trade-off is for selling off public land, is just a, a whole bunch of one and two bedroom um, units that are unlikely to be anywhere near as solid, actually, as the towers that are supposedly in such um, a terrible state that they need to be demolished. Um, and, you know, the result is that the bigger families, of which, um, you know, most of the people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds are all going to have to move out of the inner city um, and be dislocated from their communities. I mean, an another set of documents or information that the government hasn't released is, is their, you know, basis for saying that the, the towers are so run down that they have to be demolished, that, that demolition is the only option. And we've seen that there is some research about some of the other uh, public housing estates that have been demolished that, that did tend to show that it was possible to, to renovate and bring them up to, to a, a reasonable standard and that it would be more cost-effective than driving everyone out, demolishing it, and then bringing some people back and, and all of that. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's part, part of our criticism is that we haven't seen any um, evidence of the need to demolish the towers and to not just form the conclusion that this is a construction stimulus package yet again. Um, you know, we, we would like to know... Uh, exactly what, you know, whether the government has considered refurbishing floor by floor because that's an approach that would be probably far more environmentally sound, um, economically efficient and would not result in um, the displacement of communities yet um, that hasn't been justified to the public um, in any way. We're just told that they're in a terrible state, the towers, and in fact many of them are um, but only because of the refusal to invest in them for decades. Um, and whether that actually means that um, the, the bones of them, you know, they're, they're red brick buildings in Carlton and they're concrete in um, North Melbourne and Flemington, you know, w w there's, there's simply no argument that's being made to say that a, re a full refurbishment of the buildings um, can't exist, can't uh, be, sorry, be um, put into place. Yeah. 
Um, so with some of the previous demolitions, we've seen tenants organising to, to try and stop them. Uh, well, not successfully so far, but some pretty impressive organising has, has happened. Um, do you see potential for public tenants and the, the sort of wider community to challenge these policies or these decisions? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's some people who obviously want to leave. That's because being uh, living in overcrowded conditions, you know, some of them in homes that have chronic repair issues. Um, but then there's also others who are determined not to move um, and who want to challenge the whole process. Um, people who have really significant links with the area and who um, won't accept being moved to, um, you know, far-flung suburbs. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the question of political campaigns kind of go hand in hand with legal challenges and, um, you know, the, the fights that residents themselves are willing to put up. Um, and I think that it's promising because, um, you know, like it, it's obviously a long-term plan and what happens with the first couple of buildings will um, will flow through to what happens after that. And if, um, you know, it's the case that there's resident groups that bring up to um, try and um, resist what's happening or at least improve the plan in some way, then this hopefully will, um, you know, have beneficial effects for all of the other towers that are to follow. Are you seeing any grounds for legal challenges to this um, project? Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of... Uh, we are considering a range of options um, and... Um, probably it's probably not great for me to go into to detail, except for to say that you know there, there are uh, requirements under the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act for the government to um, properly take into account people's human rights when they make decisions like this. So we're considering options like that, um, but I think you know ultimately it will come down to um, whether there is a, a kind of a broader political pressure on the government to rethink the plan. Um, were there? So we've talked quite a lot about the the public housing demolitions in particular. Were there other announcements in the housing statement that you had concerns about? Uh, I mean, I guess in my role, I'm I'm really speaking coming from a, a renters' rights perspective um, and a public housing perspective. So I don't really want to comment so much on the um, planning issues, um, but I think that um, you know it doesn't it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the unlocking of more public land and, and handing it over to private developers for us to be wary. Uh, I mean, I think the, you know, their announcement that they're going to open up a whole lot of public land um, and sell it off really uh, you know, underlines the fact that if it wanted to, the government has a whole lot of land that it could just directly build public housing on. Um, and it's refusing to do that because it really subscribes to this neoliberal idea of the market being the solution um, and the government playing no role in providing ongoing housing for people. And I think that that's really problematic. Yeah, so a few years ago, the government passed a set of residential tenancies amendments that were intended to improve renters' rights in the, um, across the board, but including in the private rental market. And the housing statement, again, involves a few new changes uh, aimed at improving renters' rights. But 
what we're hearing from our members and our clients and just ourselves, neighbours and friends, it seems that renters still feel their rights are very weak and unprotected. So, as a pretty broad question, but how do you see the current situation in terms of protections and rights for renters? Do you think things are improving or stagnating and are there further changes that need to be made? Oh, they're definitely not improving. Um, <laughs> I would not even say that they're stagnating. I think that they're, they're going backwards. Um, and I think that kind of piecemeal little bits and pieces that curb um, the, the rights of landlords, um, you know, they're inadequate really because of the fact that um, housing is such a lucrative asset in the economy um, right now. And um, if they can make money out of it in the private sector, then they will. And so, you know, we see this ballooning wait list for affordable housing um, and people just simply, you know, struggling to find somewhere to live. And really one of the only things that would turn that situation around would be to build um, public housing en masse. I think not just for the people who would eventually live in those homes, but um, because that would have a kind of downward pressure on the private rental market in terms of the amount of money that can be charged for someone to have a home. Um, and the government's simply unwilling to do that. It's, it's proven um, with this announcement that it won't do that. So um, really, you know, their discussions about um, capping rent increases here and there are meaningless, I think. Um, we still want to fight for those things because they do have an impact on, on people individually. Um, you know, and any gains for renters, I think, are important. But really, we have to be honest about what, um, what a healthy housing situation looks like for the masses people and the private market, um, as it is left to its own devices now, won't be able to do that. All right. Um, so if our listeners want to get advice or assistance from Inner Melbourne Community Legal, uh, how, how can they get in touch or what should they do? Uh, well, they can just give us a call. Um, hopefully we've already reached the people who live um, in the homes that are being demolished by now. We've uh, done a whole lot of assertive outreach to try and get to those people. Um, we aren't really taking... Uh, we, we would normally uh, provide assistance on a range of renting issues but at the moment, because we're being swamped with all of these people facing eviction from um, the towers, as I said, we're, we're mostly just seeing those people. Um, but if that is um, a listener and they want our advice, they can just call us on 9328 cool. um, Yeah. Uh, and we'll include a link to your website and the phone number and things like that in the, the show notes on the 3CR website. Yeah, great. Uh, so we're, we're, that's about all that we wanted to ask you today. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners? No, thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, let's keep encouraging each other to stand up for this stuff because it's so important. Absolutely. Um, thanks very much, Louisa. Cheers. Thanks, Shane. Bye. Bye. Uh, that was Louisa Bassini, the Acting Director of uh, Legal Practice at Inner Melbourne Community Legal. Uh, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show on 3CR 8.55am uh, with Shane and Ruben. Ruben, you've got some details about a rally for people who want to support uh, public tenants to not be displaced and uh, their housing demolished. Yeah, that's right. If you're feeling really passionate about any of the issues Louisa was raising, um, both for uh, public tenants in the 
towers, but also for private renters in the area. There's a rally on uh, Saturday, the 11th of November at 1 p.m. And it's uh, really local, right at the corner of Smith and Gertrude Street uh, near, near the station. So hopefully you can get down to that. And uh, we'll see you there. Awesome. So we're going to hear uh, a couple of quick community service announcements. logging operation. Any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're allowed no closer than the bridge down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged. <laughs> I direct that you all leave now. Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want a party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter. Uh, we are just about out of time. Uh, Ruben, do you want to tell our listeners how they can get in touch uh, if they want to talk to us at HAG? Yeah, absolutely, Shane. Of course, uh, we have our website, oldertenants.org.au, and you can also give us a phone call on 03 And alternatively, of course, if you're on all the modern social media platforms, shoot us a DM and um, you'll get in touch directly with me. Uh, and what about, uh, Hank has some stuff coming up. We've got our AGM uh, on the 16th of November. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right, Shane. It's a really big occasion, this one. It's our 40th year anniversary. Hag was founded in 1983. Uh, it's a little grassroots organization down on the Mornington Peninsula, and we've grown uh, to become the, 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 big, the larger group that we are today. And so this year's AGM will be a, a really big celebration of Hag's 40 years. Uh, so we're going to hear at the AGM from the Residential Tenancies Commissioner. We're going to hear from some of our longer time members about uh, their experiences at HAG and the ways that things have changed over the over the years. Uh, and we're going to have a good lunch, uh, as well as an online option if you're going to make your own lunch. You can stay at home and do that. And don't forget, Shane, that, that uh, the quilters have been doing a, a massive job stitching together a huge uh, commemorative banner with a message from Housing for the Aged Action Group. Uh, the quilt is looking phenomenal and will be unveiled at the AGM as well. So that, again, is the 16th of November from 11 to 1 at Ross House on Flinders Lane. Uh, you can register uh, online on our website, oldertenants.org.au, uh, or call us on 03 7389. Uh, going to leave you with a song now. Uh, we are going to hear the 380 crew with River to the Sea. Uh, thanks for listening.
every fit. This land's a gift. What's my family spirit live? We are grateful to exist. We are dancing in a mist. My ancestors live. Hold my mug, raise your fist. There they were, judge of drunk free. Listen to the knowledge. Lost to me. Rocket from the red blood to the sea. This is how it came to be. This is our identity. If you listen deep, you'll hear the spirit speak. They said it would change. When? When will the days end? They want us caged in. But we ain't gonna stay in. They said it would change soon. But we ain't seen change yet. Singing the same tune. My DNA was struggling to forget. There's pain in these memories. There's trauma in my bloodline. There's power in my ancestry. There's salt water and sunshine. My elders help me destiny. These rights and sacred sites. Gonna redefine my history and take darkness in. Oh